Well, today I want to start by opening up with passage from Scripture from Luke chapter 23, verse 32, says this, Two others, criminals, were also led astray to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. They divided his clothes and cast lots, and the people stood watching, and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself if this is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him, and they came offering him sour wine and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription above him, This is the king of the of the Jews. And today, this Good Friday, I hope that the word of God encourages us from this thought, he saved others. Jesus, you have to imagine this moment. It's not very often that actually in history we learn about crucifixion, what that experience was like, but Jesus was carrying the cross brace of the the cross on this way up the hill, two other criminals following behind him. That this is one of the weakest moments of his life, the lowest moment of his life, where blood mixes with sweat as these three bear the weight and pain of the cross. We see that the flesh is run through with metal as hammer hits nails until that is what holds Jesus' flesh to the cross. We recognize that these nerves send tidal waves of pain through Jesus' body. And that's not all. We recognize that Jesus in this moment is betrayed by those who are supposed to be with him. Those very friends who are supposed to be alongside of him in this moment have abandoned him, and he's on his own. He's a man that's crushed under the weight of the common unity, that for most of human history we are divided, but in this moment we are united and wanting to see the crucifixion of this man. In this moment, we recognize there are some who are rejoicing because They rejoice in punishment of the Roman Empire, and they recognize that this punishment is a moment where somebody who said they could stand against the might of Rome thought that they could overthrow Rome were receiving their just punishment. There are others who come for entertainment. They just kind of come to recognize that in the harshness and sadness and in the just kind of commonality of their everyday life, they get to experience this entertaining moment as this criminal dies on the cross. And I think to myself, what's going through Jesus's head? If he's anything like me, I imagine that's what's going through his head is screams of pain is looking at the people around him who are doing this to him and are imagining curses that are sent their way. If he's like me, there's bitterness, there's unforgiveness, there's resentment. I think sometimes I place myself in that moment, and maybe if you would too, I wonder what would happen that each one of us in recognition that we too would have come alongside all of those mocking, that we too would have stood in the crowd. I wonder if Jesus would have locked eyes with you. I wonder what you imagine he would be thinking. You think that Jesus would have a look of disappointment? Do you think that he'd look at you and think, In disgust, how could you do something like this? Do you think that Jesus would think like you do? Because this Good Friday, if I begin to think that Jesus would think like Matt Labby, I've missed the beauty of what Good Friday is all about. You see, the beauty of Good Friday is that Jesus thinks nothing like you. 
That in this moment, instead of Jesus looking at humanity the way that we would have, Jesus looks in the way only the divine could. And that humanity at its lowest displays the beauty of Jesus at its highest. As he sees very differently than we do. And so I hope today three revelations for us to see about Jesus on the cross. As we see this moment that we might see it differently so that we could actually see Jesus as he is and not as we imagine him as being. So the first thing that I hope that we see this Good Friday is that we see Jesus' arms outstretched in welcome. What we recognize is that as he's on the cross, I think sometimes we think that Jesus is on the cross because he's helpless to do anything otherwise. That we think that Jesus is nailed there, and so as a result, that there's nothing else that he could do, that he's just kind of helplessly hanging there. And that's the nails that holds him to that cross. But to see that would be see wrongly. You see, Jesus at any moment could have freed himself, could have delivered himself, because we believe he was truly divine. And so he could have, in that moment, just simply stepped down from the cross. And so it's not the nails that constrained him, it was love. That in that moment, what held Jesus to a tree was love. Here's what we see. It says, two criminals were also led away to be executed with him. And when they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the other criminals, one on the left and one on the right. And what we recognize is there are people all around Jesus who are sinners. And it's really an unbelievable scene because what we see is Jesus' arms outstretched. And we could see that as a space of weakness. And really what we ought to see it as a space of embrace. Jesus tells a story in Luke chapter 15 about a father who has two sons. The younger son comes to the father and says, I want my share of the inheritance. And so the father gives him his share of his inheritance. He goes off into a far country. He wastes all of what he has. A famine comes his way and he finds himself at the lowest space. And this younger son says to himself, my servants in my father's house have it better than what I do. And so I might as well go and ask him if I could become like a servant. Jesus describes what the reaction of the father is. It says, but while his son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. And as we see this moment of what it takes to have reconciliation with God, what we recognize is that this moment with Jesus on the cross is his moments of extending his arms in reception for all those who had come to him. It's the moment of compassion where he says, anyone is welcome. And so if you feel like there are moments or spaces in your life where you've drifted, where you've gone astray, where maybe this week you feel like other things became priorities or somewhere along the way sin began to creep back into your life, the invitation is, will you come back home to those open arms of Jesus. Sometimes we think that we can just do that without cost, but what we recognize is that this does cost. Love costs God something. It costs the life of his son. And so as Jesus hangs there on a cross, what we see is we see his arms open in welcome, enabling us to have right relationship with God. And it's a beautiful reminder that God thinks nothing like us. Jesus thinks nothing like us. In that moment on the cross, he's not looking with disgust and disappointment. Instead, he's looking at us with arms wide open, inviting us to find home once again with God through Jesus Christ. So as you walked in, I 
handed out to each one of us a, a cross. And I want to take a moment, and Holiday's going to play as we have a moment of reflection, because I think sometimes we see the cross as a place where we should feel an amount of shame, or we should feel an amount of disgust at ourselves and what we've done. But if we see the cross rightly, then we won't see the space where we experience shame. We won't see the space where we experience a, a, what do I need to do to make things right? What we will see are the open arms of Jesus inviting us to come back home. And so I'd love for us as we take a moment to look at your cross, to see the open arms of Jesus inviting you back home. I wonder where have you strayed from home? Where have you gotten distracted? And how can you take a moment to recognize that his arms are still outstretched to welcome you back home to the love of Jesus Christ? Take a moment in reflection of what Jesus has done. So, Lord, we come back home to the open arms of Jesus that show us that there was no cost. There was no place that was too far away for you to run and meet us with a kiss. That, Lord, no matter what sin that we've experienced this week, whatever shame we've experienced this week, whatever hardship, that, Father, there's always an invitation to come home to you through Jesus Christ. And so we take a moment to see him as he is with arms open and welcome. So first we see that his arms are outstretched and welcome. The second thing that I hope we hear this Good Friday is that we would hear his voice is crying out to intercede. How different if I were being tortured for people that I came to help, and if they actually put me to sin and to shame, if they actually, if they uh, minimized and marginalized me, then I wouldn't imagine in that moment that I would be pouring out intercession for them. But yet here's what we see Jesus says. It says, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. And in this moment, what we see is the fullness of the heart of Jesus Christ on display to recognize that he is the one who lives to intercede in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, it says, Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for him. In this moment, Jesus doesn't speak condemnation. He doesn't speak judgment before the Father. He doesn't speak to the Father even to free himself from what's happening. No, in that moment we see what is truly inside of Jesus is intercession for you and me. Just like if you were to take a sponge and wring it out, what comes out is the things that is inside of it. And so for Jesus, as he is crushed underneath the weight of this moment, what comes out of him is intercession for you and me. 
He always lives to intercede for those who come to God through him. So what is the work of Jesus night and day? What is the work of Jesus in this moment? What's the work of Jesus that he came to do but to intercede for you and me? And so as we come under condemnation by ourselves, as we look at ourselves through our sin and through our shame, what we recognize is that he always lives to intercede. As we begin to think that God sees us through our sin, that we come back to the beauty of the gospel and we recognize that Jesus always lives to intercede. And in those moments, he's whispering to the Father, I know and I see, but Father, forgive them. And he sees through the blood of Jesus Christ. And in these moments, would we hear the cry of intercession? And so when you came in, you also received a mirror and a marker and a little piece of paper towel. And I invite you to, in this moment, what we're gonna do is we're gonna pause to think of all the things that we label ourselves with, all the identities that we place on ourselves to say, this is who I am. For some of us, we would say, well, I'm the sinner. For some of us, we would say, well, I'm the screw up. I'm the person who's unworthy. I'm the person that my parents would always put down. I'm the person that never measured up. And I wonder what it would look like if we pause for a moment to write down all of those labels that we place on ourselves. And see ourselves through those labels as we look in the mirror. All the things that people said about us in our past and all the ways that we allow that to define who we are today. And I wonder if for a moment we would hear the voice of Jesus interceding on our behalf. And that if we would take up our cloth and that we would wipe off all of the labels that we place on ourselves and other people place on ourselves. And I wonder what it would look like that instead of viewing ourselves through the labels like so often we do, I wonder what it would look like for us to erase all of those and simply put a cross to view ourselves through the one who always intercedes on our behalf. So this Good Friday, let's take a moment. I would love for you to look at yourself through the mirror for a moment, to write down the labels of all the things that you think that you are, maybe even some of the good things, that you're the person who achieves, that you're the person who always has it all together, you're the person who can handle it. And I wonder what it would look like for us to take a moment, write those down, look at ourselves through the lens of all the labels that we say we are. And then to recognize that this Good Friday, Jesus came to remove all of those labels as the great intercessor. Then we wipe those off, place the cross at the center and view ourselves through the lens of the cross. Take a moment to do that. Write down all the labels. Erase the labels and put the cross in their place this Good Friday.
So, Father, we ask that you would remove those labels, the identities that we place on ourselves, and that you would replace them with the cry of Jesus Christ who intercedes on our behalf. That we are forgiven people, not because we're perfect people, not because we live up to labels, not because we achieve. We're forgiven because of the work of Jesus Christ. And so I pray that we would see ourselves new. That we would see ourselves through Jesus. That we would no longer see ourselves through other identities and other means and other things that we had spoken over us, but that we would see that we are those who have one plea, which is to come before Jesus, to ask that you would forgive, redeem, restore, and renew us. And we recognize this Good Friday, that that intercession of Jesus Christ removes who we were and restores who you've called us to be. So Father, as we look at the cross, we see for a moment uh, Jesus with his arms outstretched, a display of God's love for us. We hear the call of intercession. And then finally we see from this cross that we're offered an opportunity to receive the life of Jesus to recreate us. These words are spoken over Jesus. It says, he saved others. Let him save himself, if this is God's Messiah, the chosen one. And once again, what we realize is that God's way of seeing things and our way of seeing things are so different. We think if he's the Messiah, he should save himself. But the divine way of seeing things is to say, since he's the Messiah, he won't save himself. Because it's his very life poured out for us that redeems and restores humanity. And the invitation is to experience a new kind of life, a recreative life. You see, at the very beginning of the world was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and through Jesus, everything was created. There was a cost to creation, but the cost to recreation was the cost of Jesus' own life. And so it's an invitation for us to exhibit and live a life of resurrection alongside Jesus, that he is the firstborn among the dead that we too might experience this resurrection life alongside of Jesus. And so as we see the cross, may we see that you and I, through our own death, through a path of suffering formed by Jesus, that maybe some of the things that you're going through in your life right now, that you say, God, help me get out of. Jesus is saying, it's this very thing that I'm allowing you to go through so you can be formed in the image of Christ. And it's through that suffering that he's bringing about resurrection life and power. And so as we're given this invitation, what we recognize is that we're given the invitation to recreation through that life of Jesus Christ. Jesus in John chapter 6 says, I am the bread of life. I don't know about you, but I like to eat more than once a year. I like to eat a lot. We were having a little conversation before we started today about how much we like to eat because that's how much we like to eat. We talk about how much we eat. And the thing about eating is we all do it. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life, which means I don't come to the bread once. It means I don't call it good after I come in on the weekend. It means I don't say I'm all set. It means that each and every day I come to the bread of life so I can experience resurrection power from the inside out as he recreates me into the image of his son as I come to Jesus over and over and over again. He is the bread of life. And so as we look at 
this Good Friday, the Lord's Supper set in front of us, we recognize that in the Lord's Supper, it's a reminder that his recreation power is living inside of us as we receive of him. That resurrection life doesn't come through us trying hard enough or doing enough or being a good enough person. It comes through receiving and uniting to Jesus Christ. And it's through that union with Christ that we get to experience a new kind of life. It's the beauty of this moment where these people were mocking Jesus. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself. But as we participate in the Lord's Supper, we recognize he saved others by not saving himself. And as we come to the table of the Lord's Supper, we say not only he saved others, but we make it personal by saying he saved even me. That he would love me enough, so much, that he would actually be united to me to bring about new life. And I love that we eat from the one bread and we drink from the one juice as we dip. That we recognize that we together are the body of Christ. That he is the head. That we are all being formed to look and live more like Jesus as we proclaim the word to one another. That's the beauty of the Lord's Supper. Is that before the Lord's Supper, we are all equal doesn't matter how many letters you have at the end of the name or how many zeros you got at the end of your bank account. It doesn't matter if you're the person who preaches or you're the person who listens. Everybody approaches the table with humility because we recognize that we have no hope but union with Jesus Christ. And so we, as we proclaim the table, as we talk about the table and as we eat of the bread, we recognize that we collectively encourage one another by this word. That we say, oh, you thought that you came in at some point along your week, you got distracted and you came in thinking that it relied on you or that it depended on you or that somewhere along the way that you measured up. And at the table, we remind one another, you don't measure up. You don't have what it takes. And you don't have enough righteousness to stand before God. The gospel is the beauty of reception of Jesus Christ to say what you don't have, Jesus does have. And so we come to him and we receive of that Lord's Supper. And so I hope today as we continue on in worship that we recognize that as we together are being recreated, as we participate in the one bread and the one juice, that we together as a community of faith are becoming a new people. As we participate in eating from the one loaf, I hope that you know that as you rip off a piece, that you bring that to this community, that you bring a resurrection life to this community, that God is showing all of us what it means to live new because you are a part of this body of believers and we need you. This body is not built around a preacher. This body is not built around a worship leader. The body is built around the head, Jesus Christ. And what we recognize is we each show up with a gift, which is the resurrection life that God is working inside of you, that then you proclaim to one another and you remind each other and say, there's room at the table for sinners. You suffered this week, there's room at the table for sufferers. You were a hypocrite this week, there's room at the table for hypocrites. You had an addiction this week that you fell prey to. There's room at the table for addicts because it was that table that Jesus shared when he was here physically on the earth. And it is that table that he shares with the body of Christ now to recognize that we all receive from Jesus resurrection power 
as we take that place of weakness where we lay ourselves on the cross and we recognize the way of Jesus is not the way of power, but it's the way of sacrifice. And so we place all of ourselves on the altar. We place all of ourselves on the cross and we say, Lord, what I can't do, would you do to bring about resurrection life in me? So Jesus, we take a moment to recognize the mystery of faith. The mystery that we are united with Jesus Christ, that you didn't simply want communion with us. You didn't simply want to just simply get us to heaven, but heaven is communion with you. And so from that, we recognize that as we come to you in repentance and faith to receive all of Jesus Christ and to give all of ourselves, that in that moment we receive your recreation power in us. We ask, Lord, that as we partake in the bread and in the juice, that we would partake rightly, that we would pause for a moment to examine our own hearts and to see, am I living the path of suffering? Am I living a life formed in the shape of the cross? And Lord, as we recognize each one of those areas that we're not, would we bring those before you in communion to say, Lord, that death in me, the things and the places that I have not loved, the people I have not loved rightly, the moments I have not loved you rightly, would you bring about resurrection life in me as I bring everything to you? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Would you stand with us? And then whenever you're ready, uh, then feel free to come to the table to receive of that resurrection life of Jesus Christ as we continue in worship.